0: We're getting pretty close here to Holy Week and the readings that the church gives us are certainly upping their level of uh, just rich material. Last week we had Prodigal Son and this week we have a very famous scene, the scene in which the woman caught in adultery is brought before the Lord and the Pharisees try to trick Jesus. That's never, uh, that never goes well for whoever is trying to trick Jesus. You know, they thought that they had him in a bit of a conundrum. They thought that, you know, no matter how he answers this question, he's going to find himself in some hot water. He could answer, you know, yes, we need to follow the law of Moses and stone this woman, which would go against sort of his teachings of mercy and forgiveness, but also it was against the law for the Romans to take someone's life. But if he said, no, we shouldn't, then he's going against the law. He's going against the law of Moses. So they really thought you know, that they had it. But there's more than that going on here. And first we have to realize, you know, this is sort of a, a beautiful thing, that the Lord is at the temple, right? Why do we come here to church on Sunday? Most Catholics don't go. Yet we're we're here. What is it about us that want to be here at this place of worship? It's Because God is here. His presence is right there on the tabernacle. His presence will soon be on this altar. And for us, to be able to come before God is, is a profound thing. We can ask those questions. We can give him our heart. We can listen to him. And to think about, in the gospel, you know, it says he goes to the Mount of Olives, but he's there at this temple. So for all of them who are there, you know, who they're searching for, and they're worshiping, they're sacrificing, he's there standing there right in front of their presence, and they're trying to trick him. But they're not really willing to deal with what's going on in their own lives. Not only are they trying to trick Jesus but they're using this woman you know, as a scapegoat, this woman caught in adultery. They're going out and they're just throwing all this negativity towards her. We hear that word scapegoat and it goes back to the Old Testament, the Jews not having the Lord's perfect sacrifice of dying for our sins. They would take a goat and they would put all of their sins on. It is this goat and they would send it out to die and they would kill it. It was their ability to sort of make up for their sins in the way that they were able to without the crucifixion. But we do this all the time. And really, when someone is scapegoating, they're not entering in to the reality of the situation. They're distracting themselves with something else. It happens all the time, unfortunately. Whenever there's a good bit of juicy gossip. We can focus on the faults of others rather than looking at ourselves. Right? We've seen it a lot this last week. The whole Will Smith, Chris Rock thing that took place last week. Oh my gosh. Everyone's talking about it. Why did he do it? Was it planned? Was Chris Rock in the wrong? Was Will in the wrong? Who cares? Nobody cares. Right? But we've got to talk about it. We gotta think about who's wrong, who's right. On a much bigger scale, in our country, my gosh, in the last six years. Trump's to blame, Biden's to blame, it's those Democrats, it's the Republicans, it's the millennials, it's the old people, it's Pope Francis, it's the bishops, it's the liberals. Hey. Go look in the mirror. Go look in the mirror. What's going on with your life? Where are you at with the Lord? Because we're like these Pharisees who are going up to the Lord and like, look at all these people. Life would be okay. If people just would do what they're supposed to do. Obviously, I'm doing all right. And we can't face the fact that each of us are sinners. Each of us need To see where we've messed up. And we're not hard on ourselves. We don't beat ourselves up. But we go before the Lord. What was it like for this woman? What was it like for her? To be exposed in this way. Lord! We should stone her. We should kill her. You know, how often do we do that to ourselves? Or we think, you know, if, if someone only knew what I've done, the Lord wouldn't be able to love me. And he draws on the ground. He writes in the sand. We don't know what he did. Theologians like deposit a couple different things. One, they say that the first time he wrote on the ground, you know, he wrote the names of those who were standing before him. And then the second time he, he wrote their sins. This is why the oldest would be standing closest, they could see their own exposing going on. And then they left. Others say that this is the Lord saying that this isn't that big of a deal, and he's like a child playing in a sandbox. Like, come on, you don't think I can forgive adultery? It's child's play, right? Because the Lord is confronted with this scapegoating, with this trickery, with this distraction of their own inability to look at their own life what does he do? You know, he, he diverts the conversation. He changes the direction of where they're going. He throws them off guard. Really what we can do when someone decides to detract politically, religiously, with celebrities, with our family, with our friends, with our teachers, with our bosses, change the subject. You don't need to participate in the tearing down of other people. Change the subject, but then realize you know, what the Lord does here. After they go away, woman, who's condemning you? Where are they? There's no one. I don't condemn you. And we see that mercy of the Lord. They're saying, I don't care what's happened. I don't care what's going on in your life. I just want to restore this relationship, right? But some people want the gospel to end there. Hmm? It doesn't, because the sin has taken place. It's not, you, you gotta hate the sin, but love the sinner, which is exactly what the Lord does. He tells her to go and sin no more. Because sin breaks us. Sunder, this is kind of a more direct translation of where it comes from the German word, you know, to break apart. And sin destroys us. And the Lord wants to heal that. Because this is the place where we go to see God. You know, and the misery of our sin meets the mercy of God that he says, I do not condemn you, but stop it. So for us, brothers and sisters, as we get to the most important, most holy weeks of the year, as we go through this Mass, you know, put your place in this woman's shoes. And whatever you are most embarrassed of, whatever you are most ashamed of, whatever is keeping you from living as the sons and daughter of God that you are, be like this woman. And go to the Lord and say, this is what I've done. What will he say to you? We hear in the scriptures. And then go to confession and give it to him so that he can actually allow you to live in that freedom. And then go and sin no more. This Wednesday we have Be Reconciled. Over in that part of the church, all three of us priests will be here from 9 a.m., to 8 p.m., all day, forgiving sins. Jesus is forgiving sins through us. All the parishes in the diocese from 9 a.m. to 8 p.m., a priest you never have known or will have to ever talk to again, you can go and just give it to him and he's going to say, all right. Jesus doesn't condemn you. He forgives your sin. His mercy is stronger than whatever you're holding yourself down. So the time to be weighed down by your sin is no more. The time to give power to that which is not of God is no more. Christ loves you. Let the misery of your sin meet his mercy and go and sin no more.